The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? No, I can't. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Special guest joining us tonight on Fantasy Football Today. Welcome, everybody, if you're watching live. Good evening to you. It is 10 o'clock p.m. Eastern time, and we're on Mountain Time with Samantha Praviti at Samantha NFL. She's joining us, and we're very excited to have her. Jamie Eisenberg is here as well. Uh, tomorrow, so we're uh, publishing this on Thursday. Our Friday episode is going to be the mailbag. Fantasy football at cbsi.com is our email address. You can also leave us an Apple podcast comment. That's a great way to get your question read right on the air. Jamie, good evening. How's it going? It's going well, buddy. How are you? Yeah, Jamie and I finished our fantasy baseball draft. I did most of the work as usual, so we should be in decent shape. As uh, usual. Uh, Samantha, your mic is muted, so before, there she is. What's up, Samantha? I'm here. Okay, cool. I'm doing super, super well. I'm just out here enjoying Colorado. Thanks so much for uh, having me on. I, I miss you guys. We missed you too. We thought it was time, about time to have you back on. You've, I'm sure our, our fans have seen and heard you before. You can follow her again at Samantha NFL. And she is, we've told this before, but in case you don't know, she is a ski instructor. So I imagine you're pretty busy these days. Definitely very busy out there teaching people how to pizza and French fry and when to do each one of those. Uh, I also teach snowboarding and it's just so much fun. We're having a great season for snow, which is it's it's been a, a few bad years for snow. So it's great to have a, a good year. And uh, yeah, Adam and I were talking before that it's been a little bit chilly here but uh it was negative i think 17 for like three days straight so um, i'm kind of glad that it it broke out of that for for a little bit like we saw the sunshine and got to at least it like it didn't hurt to inhale i feel like that that's how (laughs) cold it gets here when it like hurts to inhale are there any other foods you can pull off with the skis? The, a pizza it makes you stop. French fries make you go. Like, is there anything else? Could you do? like a hot dog where you just have both feet are kind of lined up? 
one is in front of you, one behind you. <laughs> I don't know. So, well, it's else? interesting because pizza and French fry has always been like the two terms. But sometimes you'll tell kids to pizza, and they'll they'll be they'll be so confused because they'll say, "What are you talking about? Pizzas are round." So, oh, uh, yeah. So you know, I just I usually say like, <laughs> "What does this look like? Does this is do you, is it an arrow? Is it a wedge? Is it whatever?" So we just roll with that. Okay. All right. Um, all right. So we're gonna get uh, some. Samantha's favorites for 2023. She's got uh, players at each position that she likes going into the year. Obviously, a lot can change between now and then, but some of her early favorites. Two quick news items. The Falcons signed defensive lineman Calais Campbell. The Lions are going to sign Marvin Jones to a one-year deal. Uh, I can't imagine that's going to move the needle too much, but maybe we can bring it up when we talk about Jared Goff, who is one of Samantha's favorites. Before we do that, uh, Saturday on CBS... The NCAA Men's Basketball Championship road to the Final Four reaches its final destination in Houston. Coverage of the semifinal games begins at 3 Eastern with At the Final Four and the Final Four show. And it's all leading up to tip-off at 6 when Florida Atlantic faces San Diego State, followed by Miami clashing with UConn. The NCAA Men's Final Four National Semifinals Saturday on CBS. And please vote for us. I'll tell you about that in a little bit. Link is in the episode description. All right. Samantha gave us four of her favorite quarterbacks for 2023. And these are, uh, they are Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Jared Goff, and Geno Smith. So you got Fields and Lawrence kind of in one tier, Goff and Smith in another. Who do you like better, Fields or Lawrence? I guess I have to go Justin Fields. I, um, I, I'm just so happy to see the Bears finally investing in him, and they seem committed to building around him. Obviously, the blockbuster trade with my Carolina Panthers, who have finally accepted that they are in rebuild mode, but trading away the number one pick, so that obviously takes away the shadow of mystery that they were going to draft a QB this cycle. Then they got the alpha receiver in DJ Moore, which, you know, breaks my heart. But uh, yeah, last last year, Fields top pass catcher was tight end Cole Komet, who uh, caught 50 passes for 544 yards. So this is suffice it to say quite a upgrade for him. And obviously his rushing numbers alone make him super attractive over 1100 rush yards and eight rushing touchdowns last year. So he should see an uptick in passing attempts and completions with this way better receiver and week six onward. Uh, Fields was finished as a top 10 fantasy QB or better in every week but one, which was week 16 against the Bills, and was the QB three on a per game basis in that span. So I think he does have a legit shot to be a top three superstar this year. Okay, Jamie and Samantha, we had Justin Fields go in round five. We did a draft last week. Justin Fields went in round five. Trevor Lawrence went a round and a half later, the last pick of round six. Do either of those strike you as a better value pick? Jamie, I'll give you the first word. So that's Fields in round five, middle round five, and uh, you know about 18 picks later or so, Trevor Lawrence, last pick of round six. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, I agree with Samantha. You know, Justin Fields is, is the better fantasy talent. Um, the, the always, you know, the, the question as you, as you posed it is, you know, if you can get a player that you feel can maybe stay in the same range, you know, getting that player later is, is, is definitely the better route to go. Now the question is if they both hit their ceilings, I think Justin Fields is going to obliterate Trevor Lawrence because of the rushing, you know, so you're not going to be able to, you know, get that type of production from, from Trevor Lawrence unless he throws for, you know, 5,000 plus yards, which I don't think he's going to do, but he, he may challenge that. Um, I, I, I would prefer the, the later quarterback in most instances, but I think if, again, if you're drafting for who, who has the most upside, 
And, you know, to to look at what Justin Fields did last year, and, and, and Samantha, you know, mentioned this, that Cole Komet was his leading receiver. That just speaks volumes, I think, to, you know, the reins that were kind of put on him a little bit. And now the hope would be is that, A, DJ Moore's addition is going to make him an even better passer. So the hope is the, is the rushing numbers continue to be there. But B, that they're not done. You know, and, and I think, you know, you, you've seen it. They, they bring in DJ Moore. They bring in Robert Tunney, you know, just to give a second tight end that can, you know, make some plays and, and maybe catch another touchdown or two. But I think they're not done. You know, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they take another young receiver to maybe offset the Chase Claypool move, which they sort of addressed at the owners' meetings. And, and we'll see what Darnell Mooney, what he has coming back. It's, it's a good receiving core right now, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's another uh, addition to it. In terms of Trevor Lawrence, though, I think he's going to have another monster season. So it's a great, great call, you know, for Samantha to put him on this list. They, they, and I think this is when you see NFL teams that take advantage of situations. They stole Calvin Ridley for what they had to pay at a time when nobody knew what we were, your, what you were going to get. Um, if he's anything close to Calvin Ridley, with what they kept in in Evan Ingram, what they got last year in Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, it's one of the better receiving cores in the league. If Calvin Ridley is the alpha that we remember. Yeah, a couple of kind of late round draft picks for Calvin Ridley. Um, all right, so Samantha, how about you? Trevor Lawrence, last pick of round six, or Justin Fields, first uh, middle, sorry, middle of round five. Uh, by the way, that's yeah, a, that's a six point per passing touchdown league. Okay, I mean, I guess that makes a little bit of a difference, but I and and I'm probably in that similar camp where I try to wait on quarterback, but I do think Fields' ceiling is just so so high. I think that the addition of DJ Moore is going to open up that playbook a lot and just um, really really unleash sort of like the talent that we haven't been able to see. Obviously, he gets some some flack sometimes for not being uh, as traditional of a passer, but he's just never had necessarily that that complement of, of weapons. Now, uh, that said, yes, I, I do love Trevor Lawrence, and I really just think he should have gotten a mulligan on his freshman year because of Urban Meyer, but obviously thrived under Doug, Doug Peterson in year two, uh, went from a 59.6 completion percentage to 66.3, finished top 12 in 10 of 17 starts, was the overall QB8. That was with Christian Kirk as his best receiver. So as Jamie said, he's going to have Calvin Ridley. And I, I, last time we saw Calvin Ridley in 2020, he was wide receiver four. Right. <laughs> um, all right. So Doug and I were discussing that in the picture, by the way. Oh, is that that would <laughs> Good stuff. Um, all right. So Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, two uh, popular quarterbacks, good quarterbacks. Do you like either of them? Samantha, and by the way, yeah, I forgot to ask this. Do you typically play in four point or six point per passing touchdown leagues? I feel like usually four. Um, I, I, I guess that that's just been normal for, but I also have one of these weird leagues. This is the, the league that I've actually been playing in the longest has the weirdest sort of rules. It's all these like fractional things and there's all these efficiency yeah. uh, points uh, built in as well. So it's that's actually super, super fun to play in some custom leagues where you don't get to just rely on people's rankings and, and projections and things like that. You kind of have to think a little bit outside the box so I, I i have played in, in both but uh probably more so in four do you like these guys better than justin herbert Ooh, i mean i think i like fields better than justin herbert yeah and jamie fields herbert lawrence but yeah very close all right let's talk about the other two quarterbacks you have here geno smith 
and Jared Goff. Jared Goff uh, last year was terrific for him. Geno Smith was better. He was QB5 overall per game. He was number seven in four-point-per-passing touchdown leagues, number eight in six-point-per-passing touchdown leagues. Jared Goff, uh, I think his nickname, according to Pro Football Reference, is Mr. Perfect. I've never heard that before for Jared Goff, but... The internet doesn't lie, right? Goff was QB8 overall, actually QB10 in four-point, and just outside the top 12 on a per-game basis. Uh, So who do you like better, Samantha, Jared Goff or Geno Smith? I mean, they are like neck and neck for me, probably like back to back. I would say maybe I give Goff the slight edge. I mean, what he did last year was pretty crazy. I think that the golf and the lions were kind of a joke going into the season, but as they say, he managed to turn chicken crap into chicken salad and earn <laughs> pro bowl honors. Um, obviously QB 10 in four point and uh, finishes a top seven QB in four of his final six starts and will possibly have a healthy Jamison Williams coupled with Amon Ross St. Brown. So I think he is a legitimate threat to finish as a top 12 quarterback and is likely dirt cheap in drafts. So I, I love Gino, obviously, too. I mean, come fresh off of comeback player of the year campaign, which I mean, some people still want to write that off as a fluke, but it's pretty hard to write off a fluky 17 games. So obviously the Seahawks didn't see it as a fluke through him one hundred and five million dollars. So, I mean, it is it is crazy to think about. He's he's a guy that went from throwing, you know, 25 touchdowns and 34 interceptions in his first two seasons, then was a backup for six years and then comes out and it's just nearly 70% uh, completion percentage and overall QB six. So I I think that, you know, he's also in that, in that same conversation, like I said, very, very low cost threat to finish top 12. If you know, all the stars align. Yeah. They went within four or five picks of each other in the draft. We did both were late round picks round 14 in a 14 round draft. We didn't draft kickers or DSTs. So last pick for Dan Schneier was uh, was Geno Smith, and the last pick for R.J. White, that's actually three picks later, was Jared Goff, and those are actually the last two quarterbacks taken. Uh, not a ton of backups being taken in this league. Um, Jamie, do you have a strong preference between the two, Geno Smith versus Jared Goff? Not particularly. The only thing I think that might change for me is, and you know, uh, Pete Carroll kind of alluded to this uh, when I was talking to him, is they could draft a quarterback. And, you know, the, the commitment to Gino is there, you know, financially. It's, it's more of a one-year one deal as opposed to what was reported based on the, the guaranteed money. So I could see him being the starter for the majority of the season, especially if they're competitive, which they should be. But it, there's always that chance of, you know, whoever falls to them, I think they're picking seven, um, whoever falls to them in the first round, if they go that route, and they've certainly not been shy about the selfies, you know, of C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young, um, you know, Gino struggles or, or misses time and, and young player comes in and, and maybe Wally pips him. So, you know, I think if you're if you're nitpicking, that's one thing you can look at. But I, I think they're both great weight on quarterback type of uh, options for you if, if that's the route you go. And based on what they did last year, you know, the, the, the receiving cores are, are fantastic for both. One is established. One is heading in that way. Uh, I think, you, you know, you said this, Adam, the Marvin Jones edition is quietly one of those moves that you like to see for a team that, you know, lost DJ Chark. Uh, replace him with a guy that you know once upon a time was was a ten touchdown guy can still stretch the field a little bit, and if Jameson Williams doesn't pan out, you know that's not a bad fallback option. Clearly, he's not the the potential and and the upside of Jameson Williams, but um, he can still make some plays. So if 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 Jameson doesn't mature and take that next step as a player, then I think you're going to be much happier with Geno Smith. 
They had pretty similar numbers, but the biggest difference between Smith and Goff, Smith rushed for 366 yards, Goff rushed for 73. So that obviously can't be overstated. Uh, I question about these two, I guess, would be thinking about Derek Carr and Kirk Cousins last year. They, they were we kind of viewed them as if you're you know if you wait a while to take a quarterback or you want to take a second one. These guys have a lot of upside. Maybe they could have their best seasons. They they basically were just themselves. Um, in fact, Carr had a really bad season uh, based you know based on a lot of typical metrics. But can Goff and Geno Smith take it to another level? Can you see any scenario where they're top five quarterbacks? Which, you know, Smith was. He wasn't per game, but he did finish his QB5. But obviously some things have to break right for that to happen. But, um, you know, you know, are they just kind of safe? Or is there upside, Jamie, with uh, Smith and Goff? I think there's more safe than upside. You know, I, I think, you know, you mentioned it. Geno Smith, top five. But how many things fell apart for the guys ahead of him, or at least expected to be ahead of him? You know, and, and Goff, I think, even when he's been at his best, you know, top eight, top 10, you know, it's not like he's going to all of a sudden become a, a running quarterback. And I think as we saw, you know, the only thing that you can maybe say as, as a positive to spin it forward for Jared Goff is they lost the guy that scored 17 rushing touchdowns. Now, most people would say they replaced him with a better talent David Montgomery, but if those one yard plunges don't happen and those go to Goff and that's maybe another seven or eight touchdowns, then maybe we're talking about a better season overall. But, uh, you know, you're just asking him to, you know, be a better version of himself. And I think this team, just based on how Dan Campbell's been talking, still wants to run the ball, still wants to see if this improved defense will help carry them. And right now they might be the favorite in the division, which is something that I don't think a lot of people expected in the last couple of seasons. So uh, I don't know if, if these guys ascend to other heights, but like you said, they're, they're pretty safe options if you can get them, you know, with late round picks. Yeah, I'm thinking in that, like, they'll probably finish in that QB 10 to 15 range, uh, something like that, which, you know, that's not a bad option for if you're in a two quarterback league or you happen to be in like a 16 team league and just really want to punt on quarterback. I do think that they're they're pretty safe, all things considered, getting someone that late. Well, Jared Goff, you want to roster two quarterbacks. He threw threw 29 touchdowns last year. 23 of them were at home. (laughs) <laughs> Unbelievable. They averaged 30 more yards per game at home and threw 23 touchdowns, six touchdowns on the road. All right, let's take a little break here. When we come back, we'll talk about the running backs that Samantha likes this year. Uh, before we get into that, please vote for us on, in the podcast awards, different podcast awards, sportspodcastgroup.com. Uh, we are nominated. We are a finalist in the fantasy and sports gambling uh, category. So please check it out, sportspodcastgroup.com. Link in the episode descriptions. I butchered, did I butcher it, Thomas? What is it? Fantasy and sports? I think that's what I thought it was. Sports betting? That's Mel host of the year right there. Fantasy and sports betting, I think. Well, I, I'm sorry. Um, but please vote for us. We only have, I have less than a week now. So uh, you, you'll see the episodes, uh, the link in the episode descriptions. Where You're really selling it, buddy. I, I mean, I can't imagine how we're going to ever lose with this. Uh, okay, this here, we go. Fa- here we go. Here we go. Fantasy and sports betting. Fantasy and sports betting. Yeah. Scroll down so they can see the logo of Fantasy Football. There's some today. site where we're nominated for something. There Maybe you'll is. find it. I said the <laughs> site. I the said the site. Don't, don't act like I didn't say the site. Let's go. Let's win this award. We'll be right back on Fantasy Football. What fantasy? What's the name? <laughs> fantasy Football Tomorrow. We'll be right back. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing... To grow in your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. 
With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. All right, everybody, welcome back. Samantha's here telling tell us the running back she likes. All right, again, I, I like how you sort of tiered them. You got Tony Pollard and Ramondre Stevenson. Pollard was a first-round pick in the draft we just did. Stevenson was a third-round, early third-round pick. And then you got Khalil Herbert and Tyler Algier. So these are all very topical, very good things here. Uh, Tony Pollard, Ramondre Stevenson, Khalil Herbert, and Tyler Algier. Give me a round in a 12-team league, let's say PPR, for all four of them. Tony Pollard is what round for you? I guess a second round, I I guess I would say. Um and Ramondre Stevenson maybe shortly after in maybe like early third. And then Tyler Algier, I mean, we're that's that's a pretty big drop off. We're 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 talking at least like, I don't know, six, seven, and and Herbert maybe a couple rounds after that, I would say. Um, they're all attractive for different reasons. Like I actually I messaged you this. I was like, I'm not sure if I'm just supposed to give guys I like or guys that I think are maybe a little sneaky, but yeah, they're all kind of like, uh, attractive to me for different reasons. Like three of them, that would be Pollard, Stevenson and Herbert are kind of in a situation where they just, um, from attrition basically of their roster that they are in a better position year over year. Um, Algiers, a different situation where I just think he just had a quietly, really, really awesome rookie year. Um, graded as PFF's top uh, rookie running back, which is pretty high praise given his competition with Ken Walker and Brees Hall uh, finished the season super strong, was the RB five and a half PPR after the Falcons week 14 bye. by that point, he was clearly the favorite option out of the backfield over Cordero Patterson out snapped him significantly in that span. So I'm looking at him as a, a low end RB two who has the volume and talent to be super valuable, even though he's not the flashiest type guy. Um, Pollard and Stevenson, like I said, you know, they're benefiting from, from guys dropping off the roster, uh, for two seasons now, we've been trying to parse out the the Tony Pollard, Ezekiel Elliott situation. Um, but in the end, Pollard was so much more efficient than Zeke. 5.2 yards per carry to Zeke's 3.7. Pollard's now franchise tagged. Zeke's out of the picture, replaced by Ronald Jones. So suffice it to say that the Cowboys seem fairly committed to Pollard being the guy moving forward. So I think he has really, really awesome upside um, in light of those moves there. Ramondre Stevenson, obviously. 
obviously, anytime you you start to talk about a Patriots running back, people are gonna, um, you know, come at you with pitchforks. But uh, I like the TikTok sound goes. I'm, I'm ready to get hurt again. Um, he's coming off of this just fantastic year two campaign. Um, Damian Harris was banged up for a significant chunk, and now Damian Harris is on Buffalo, so he tallied just shy of 1,500 scrimmage yards and 11 touchdowns, RB 10 and half PPR. So I think we should expect this kind of volume and production moving forward, especially now that it seems like he has a Bill Belichick's blessing, you know, for now. <laughs> yeah. All right, all right. So it was Pollard, Algier, Herbert, and, and uh, Stevenson, not in that order. Pollard, Stevenson, Algier, Herbert, if we're going to go by, you know, projected ADP. Jamie, are there mm-hmm. any of those four that you think you're out on? No, not, not out on, you know, the one that's, I, I think the, the there's two that make me concerned would be Pollard just because uh, what we talked about on, on uh, Wednesday show with Stephen Jones's comments, um, Jerry Jones's son and member of the front office there that they're still looking at a bigger back. And so, you know, what what whatever comes out of the NFL draft will sort of determine, I think, just how high Pollard goes, because I'm with Samantha. I think right now he should be a second round pick if you are drafting today. Um, I thought, you know, the, the pick was a little bit too soon. I think it was ninth overall in our draft. Um, but clearly if he's the guy without any significant competition and we know who that could be, you know, as, as we talked about earlier, you know, it could be Bijan Robinson if that's the, the route that they go, which wouldn't be surprising, then it's, you know, hit the panic button. So he makes me concerned. And then just Khalil Herbert, you know, I, uh, I know I said when they allowed David Montgomery to leave as a free agent, that if they didn't bring in anybody in the free agent process, that he would be my favorite NFC North running back ahead of Dalvin Cook, ahead of Aaron Jones. And when we first did our first round of rankings, that was the case. And then almost a day later, they they bring in Deontay Foreman. And so I'm just concerned that Herbert won't get the featured work that we want to see. But I think the round that, that Samantha gave is perfect. You know, so you're talking about, you know, mid-round pick for a guy that's a, you know, should be a, a potential flex, should be a borderline RB2. Um, but I just don't know if we'll ever get there if Deontay Foreman's healthy and probably vulturing some touchdowns and certainly maybe getting first and second down work as well. So in terms of where the, where you know she laid it out, I'm in total agreement. Second round for Pollard. Uh, I would actually put Stevenson back into round two, but early round three is fine. I was actually the person that took him in the draft. And uh and and Tyler Algier, you know, just again, we didn't really talk about this on on the the meetings wrap up, but the the people in Atlanta, I think, just are are th- thrilled about what they were able to find. You know, they 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 loved him, you know, coming out, converted linebacker or spent some time playing like he went from running back to linebacker back to running back at BYU or Utah, wherever he was. I'm sorry, one of the two. I think it was BYU. Um, and uh, just absolutely crushed his rookie season, you know. So I think that's a, a player you can, you know, if you go the zero RB route, you know, and you, and you maybe dive in the pool a little bit early, he's a, he's a great, you know, candidate for that. But a, a good second running back if you go the hero RB route as well. Yeah, it was BYU. Last four games of the season, Tyler Algier had 17 or more carries in every game. And yeah, his his advanced metrics are terrific. You mentioned PFF's number one ranked running back uh, among rookie running backs. Tyler Algier, so this is a stat that I give that I, I say every time. I have no idea how it's calculated, but Rush EPA, uh, True Media's Rush EPA, of all running backs with 100 or more carries, 41 of them, Tyler Algier was number one. He had the highest Rush EPA in the NFL of any running back with 100 or more carries. Number two was Miles Sanders, then Christian McCaffrey, Aaron Jones, Nick Chubb. So there's your top five. Um, yeah, uh, would you guys rather have Tyler Algier or Cam Akers? For now, Akers, but I could see myself switching on that. 
Yeah, I'm, a, I'm, I'm pretty okay with that. I think, um, yeah, I, I, I think that they're pretty close for me. Okay, I want to just play devil's advocate on, on Ramondre Stevenson. I think it's because, like, partially I feel this way. It, it hasn't happened yet. Maybe they have to draft someone. I don't know. But something just tells me they're not going to give him that passing downs role this year. You know, and that's what I think that's the whole key for him because you're talking about the difference between a guy who could go in the second round and a guy who could go in the fifth round. Um, is is he going to catch those passes? He didn't really profile as that kind of player. It's pretty shocking to me that he had 69 catches last year. Um, but they didn't really give him that many carries. He averaged 15 carries per game from weeks uh, 5 through 16. That was when Damian Harris was mostly out of the lineup and actually, that also excludes the Arizona game when when Stevenson got hurt after three carries. So he had only three games all year with more than 16 carries. I'm not quite sure what that was about. But also, how about this? Damian Harris is out of the lineup for about two months, mostly out of the lineup. He misses four straight games. Ramondre Stevenson has a terrible game against the Bengals. We remember that game because he fumbled inside the 10-yard line late in, the, late in the fourth quarter. It looked like they were going in for an upset. He fumbled twice in that game. He fumbled four times in his last six games. He fumbled twice as a rookie. Um, the last two games of the season, Damian Harris comes back and out carries Ramondre Stevenson. If I'm forgetting an injury to Stevenson or something, I apologize. But he da- was playing through an ankle injury, if I'm not mistaken. All right. Uh, Damian Harris came back, though, and and missed four games and came back and and had you know a decent amount more work than, uh, than Stevenson. He had 22 carries to 14 for Stevenson. So... I don't know. I feel like it's easy enough for something to go wrong for Ramondre Stevenson. He just doesn't feel like he's guaranteed that type of volume, particularly in the passing game. I, I feel like he's not going to get it personally. And I, I don't know what it's based on other than how many times have we seen a three down back in New England? And is he really a third down back? I don't. I mean, I didn't think of him that way. So that's why I have not drafted him yet. Because he's going a little bit too early for me, but you know could, things could change after the draft. I, I just think that it's a better offensive system because they finally have a play caller. You know, Bill O'Brien coming in to replace the Matt Patricia Joe Judge duo of Drek is uh, is is hopefully going to be a big upgrade. You know, that's still going to be their their mo. But and- Jamie, what was Mac Jones's? What was he fr- flipping out about on the field? Let me throw the ball downfield. He want me to dink and dunk all the time, right? Well, I I do think that what he wants versus what the coaching staff wants at this point in his career, when this is a make or break season for him, if he's going to have those tantrums on the field now with a hopefully stronger presence on the sideline, not that Bill Belichick is, is not the end all be all, but you know, I'm, I'm sure as we saw, you know, the, the tantrums were directed at Matt Patricia. They were directed at Joe judge. They were directed at the frustration that he was you know dealing with of not being able to do that. And, and let's be fair. If, if he's going to throw the ball more, unless like you said, it's James Robinson or Pierre Strong working in the passing game. A lot of those pass attempts that are going to that position should probably go to Stevenson still. Yeah, maybe. Um, all right. oh, I lost Samantha for a moment. She's back. All right, uh, Samantha, why don't we talk about your wide receivers that you like this year? And uh, the four you gave us were Calvin Ridley, DJ Moore. Oh, you gave us five. Bonus. Calvin Ridley, DJ Moore, Garrett Wilson, Jahan Dotson, and Jamison Williams. So some young guys there, Garrett Wilson, Jahan Dotson, Jamison Williams going into their second seasons, but Calvin Ridley and DJ Moore. All right, so I, I do want to talk about DJ Moore 
heartbroken as a Panthers fan with DJ Moore not on the team anymore. He's been a bit of a fantasy conundrum uh, for fantasy analysts in particular. It seems like they always like him more than the public does, and the public's probably been right about him. Uh, so do you think this is good for DJ Moore going to the Bears? Because we're talking about a guy who's been basically a number two, three receiver for most of his career in fantasy. Um, do you think this is good for DJ Moore? How much do you like him? It's, I mean, yeah, it's, first of all, it is gut wrenching because they have just absolutely gutted the whole Panthers team, obviously with Christian McCaffrey gone mid season too. So, I mean, I, I, yeah, I think it's interesting too, because there are always those guys in the fantasy community. Like let's rewind and think about some of the guys that like the fantasy community was super high on, like I feel like Samaj P. Ryan a long time ago was like super, super hot. It's just like <laughs> people like that. I don't know. Um, but I, I think this is just more of a, we look at him in like an Allen Robinson type way, perpetually plagued by bad QB play. I mean, he had to deal with catching passes from Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, PJ Walker, and Jacob Eason last year and managed to still eck out a wide receiver 19 finish. I mean, that's, I know that's, that's definitely not great. He was probably being drafted as, uh, you know, in that wide receiver 12 ish range last year. So I, I get that that is a disappointing year, but I think that this curse stretch could be coming to at least somewhat of an end with this trade. Now, granted, uh, you know, I said this earlier, Fields is not exactly known for his passing prowess, but he's also never had a legit wide receiver one. So it's a little hard to kind of judge that. So, I mean, like I said, he's going to be immediately the, the number one option. So I like him to finish as a wide receiver two or better, but um, you know, it, it, it is, it is a little bit of a knock down from I guess past years I still think though like he is a super talented type guy and there's I I don't know maybe there is that sense of like there's got to be some regression here because he he just looks so good to the eye and and uh and hopefully this can be the end of a a bad stretch with uh quarterbacks oh man Jamie DJ Moore went in round three middle of round three and that that's that's too early for me that's too early for me (laughs) I think Calvin Ridley went in round four, about a little less than a round later. Who do you guys like better, Moore or Ridley? Jamie? I think I'm I'm leaning more toward Ridley. I don't have it ranked that way right now, but no, you can't I, you I can't say think. you can't say it like you can't say more toward Ridley. You can't say both players' names. <laughs> I'm leaving in, I'm leaning in the direction of Ridley <laughs> over DJ Moore. Um I, I and that comes down to, you know, I, I think pass attempts and and quarterback play, not again that Justin Fields is, is not a bad quarterback. Look, it I think when you when you when you talk about this Bears offense and this Bears passing game and and, and DJ Moore's addition, as, as Samantha has said, he's never had I think a quarterback with this type of talent. You know, we still have to see him do it in terms of Justin Fields, but Fields also has never had this type of receiver in the two years that he's been there. So you know, if if this is the and this is the optimal situation, if he is the uh, Stephon Diggs to Josh Allen like we saw in in Buffalo then it's going to be a, an amazing pairing to whatever scale you want to you know put them up against each other but you know these are the type of moves that teams make to make a quarterback better and and hopefully DJ Moore will benefit on the other side of it with an improved Justin Fields so you know i i think round 4 based on how typically receivers will get drafted is the is the spot you want to look for DJ Moore i would just kind of put it that i, I would i would just kind of view it that the numbers that we've kind of gotten from him Wide receiver nineteen, wide receiver fifteen on 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 a you know maybe on a more optimistic sense, you know between fifteen and twenty. If that's your expectations, I think he can live up to that. You know, I, I don't think he's going to drop back to wide receiver thirty or worse and become Allen Robinson. 
you know, going to, uh, you know, a new team. I don't think that's the type of player that he is yet. But I do think that, you know, to ask him to become a top 10 wide receiver in this current iteration of the Bears offense is probably a stretch. So if you view him the right way, wide receiver two, um, round four, round five range, depending on, you know, how your receivers go and, and the size of your league, uh, PPR, half PPR, non-PPR, all, all those things taken into account, you'll be okay with DJ Moore. Let's talk about the second year guys here. So Garrett Wilson was one you listed. Do you like him better than Chris Olave? Ooh, I, I think I do. I mean, uh, he, he, he's another guy that just managed to endure quite a crap show of a rookie season um, <laughs> for the Jets. And I think that now that these Zach Wilson experience is plausibly over, Aaron Rodgers is all but with the team, Elijah Morrison. Cleveland, I, I think he has a legitimate path to superstardom. I mean, eight, 83 catches for just over 1,100 yards, four touchdowns. And uh, that's all in light of just some a lot of tumultuous quarterback play, as I said. Um, but clearly demonstrated to us why he was the number 10 overall pick in the draft. So I'm viewing him as just a, a low-end wide receiver one with sky-high upside in light of this uh, massive QB upgrade that's that's sort of in the works. Um, but yeah, there, there are just there were obviously just so many guys out of this class and to think that Olave and, and uh, Wilson were on the, and were on the same team and, and, and everything it's just, it's pretty mind blowing. It's it, they, they are both just great talents. I'm, I love Olave as well. So how about this group of wide receivers in round eight, Samantha, um, Michael Thomas, Brandon cooks, Jahan Dotson, who's one of the players you wanted to highlight and Cortland Sutton, uh, Michael Thomas, Brandon Cooks, Jahan Dotson, Cortland Sutton. How do you feel about Dotson in that group? Yeah, I think I probably like him more than some of those guys for sure. I mean, he didn't have the flashiest rookie season. And like I said, I mean, it was just such a uh, stacked draft that he kind of got a little bit lost there and obviously missed a chunk of time due to a hamstring injury dealing with subpar QB play again. I mean, the Washington quarterback situation definitely gives me pause as it currently appears. Like if it's Sam Howell, I I don't feel necessarily great, but you know, if, and this is obviously a huge if, but if they should win the Lamar Jackson sweepstakes, I mean, we have an entirely different ball game, but I think he's a super talented receiver. Obviously, Washington really believes in him uh, if draft capital is any indication because they did seem to reach for him in the first round. So um, super talented. I think he could be on the brink of a year two breakout for sure. Yeah. Anything you want to add, Jamie? I, I think it's just the quarterback, you know, as, as Samantha said, unfortunately, I think because of the the sale of the team, they won't be able to get Lamar Jackson because you got to pay him. And I don't think, you know, the current owner is going to do that. And probably by the time the sale is done, Lamar's situation is, is hopefully resolved. But yeah, if they were to find a way to get, you know, some sort of upgrade over, you know, Brissett or, or Howell, you'd feel a lot better about, you know, not just Dotson, but also Terry McLaurin. It's just a matter of can that quarterback situation support both of those guys? And, and, you know, you could say, okay, is Taylor Heineke a special talent? No. You know, I, I think Sam Howell could certainly play at that level, if not better. Uh, Jacoby Brissett, I think, surprised a lot of us last year how he played as the starter for Cleveland and what he was able to do with Amari Cooper. Now, granted, it was really just one guy there as opposed to the two talents of, of McLaurin and, and Dotson. So the only thing for me holding holding back the 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 ceiling and the upside is is the is the quarterback and just the situation there. Like that just feels like that team with everything that's gone on can be an absolute dumpster fire, you know. So I like the talent. They have a, a, a lot of positions that I think you look at and you say, okay, they can win. But 
the overall feeling about the Washington Commanders just feels like it's a it's a team heading you know backwards until they get that ownership group in place. How many picks do you think should separate Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson? I would say around twelve to fifteen, maybe. Yeah, maybe a round or two. Okay, because in the most recent draft we did, the one I keep referencing, it was about thirty-five picks, I think. Yeah, probably more. Oh, wow. okay. McLaurin went in round five to the guy who reached on every pick he made. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> sorry, and Dotson went uh, went in round. Two. I mean, look at this. Yeah, so Samantha, we had one person team. in this draft that took Javante Williams in round two. Uh, DJ oh, Moore okay. in round three, um, McLaurin in round five. What else? Uh, he probably took like Caleb Williams in round one and just was like getting a head start on reaching. <laughs> uh, let me see the team. Uh, the team is Herbert. No, the team is Burrow, Eckler. He must take an Eckler, then Javante, DJ Moore. Who's this round? Round four is probably Burrow. Round five was McLaurin. He took Thielen in round eight. He took Najoku. We're going to talk about it. He took Algier and Najoku. Oh, you'd love this team. He's got DJ Moore, Tyler Algier, David Najoku. He just probably took them all a little bit too early. Yeah, the, the, the overall picture, if Javante is right, is not bad. It's just when those players came off the board. Yeah, that's okay. We, we have every draft needs needs a Zach. Okay, let's, uh, <laughs> let's take one more break. When we come back, we'll talk about three tight ends that Samantha Bravidi is high on. Uh, going into 2023 as of late March. We'll be right back on FFT. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, Samantha, what is the most incorrect pronunciation of your last name, spelled P-R-E-V-I-T-E, that you've ever had? Ooh, I have heard, I've heard all of them. I like Samantha Private. I feel like that sounds very <laughs> mysterious and <laughs> kind of weird. Um, Previte, that, that yeah, almost very, sounds very like proper, kind of bougie. Very proper. Like, yeah, Previte, yeah. yeah, put your pinky up. Um, yeah. yeah, and I had coaches in high school that, you know, they call you by your last name and they just intentionally call me Previt. So I, I think, I don't know. I, I think Previte is probably the weirdest one because, uh, and, and people ask me to, I, I mean, not to get into my whole life story, but I am adopted and people ask me like Praviti is that Korean or something and I'm like it's it's really Italian but it's okay <laughs> yeah I, I would never would have gotten Praviti never I Previte I don't think I would have said Previte because that just that had to be wrong but yeah uh, <laughs> Previte is a good one um all right uh Samantha Praviti then you gave us three tight ends that you like right now and I like these these are Late round picks. So they were David Njoku, Chiga Conquo, and Jawan Johnson. Is that how you would rank them? Njoku, Akonquo, Jawan Johnson. 
Yeah, I think that that's how I would probably, I mean, Johnson and Okonkwo are pretty close. Um, I mean, let's face it, like the tight end landscape really feels like Travis Kelsey and a whole bunch of other guys. But, you know, I, I, I can try to make a case for some of these less flashy guys. Najoku saw a nice target share all year, finished with a career high 58 catches, double digit fantasy points in half PPR in six games. Um, him ending up on this list is more of a commentary on Deshaun Watson, who I think will play better in his first full season for the Browns. I mean, I, I get it. It was a huge disappointment. And this is obviously no commentary on Deshaun Watson as a person, but uh, I, I do think he, he's going to end up being quite a good late round steal, leader round steal, I should say. Um, but yeah, Najoku, if Deshaun Watson plays up to, I think, what he can play, um, Najoku is a legitimate threat to be a top 12 guy um, who you could get for pretty cheap. Um, and I think that a lot of people are going to end up having to punt at this position. So, cause it is just, it, it was, it was pretty bad last year. Um, but yeah, if, in terms of the other two guys, um, Juwan Johnson, former undrafted free agent who had a legit stretch from week seven through 17, where he was the tight end seven and a half PPR caught seven touchdowns in that span. Definitely profiles as much more of a traditional tight end, unlike Taysom Hill, only in his fourth year. So he could definitely be in kind of in that prime of as, as a tight end. So I think it's safe to assume that Derek Carr is going to be at the very least at the same level as Andy Dalton, if not better. So um, Carr was obviously great for Darren Waller's fantasy value for many years. So I think he could be a legit diamond in the rough, likely going undrafted in most leagues like Chigo Conqua and a guy that I think a lot of us and I mean, at least me, I was, I was, uh, did not know who he was when he kind of burst on the scene, fourth round draft pick out of Maryland, who ended up making kind of a later season, uh, splash finished with eight or more fantasy points in four of the last six games, obviously don't love the, the QB situation, but, uh, he, he could end up being a nice security blanket for Ryan Tannehill or whoever ends up, um, starting for this team. So I think, yeah, Juwan Johnson and Chigo Conquo kind of in a slightly different tier than the Najoku for sure. And going undrafted in most leagues, but I think guys that could end up being certainly like those, those diamond in the roughs. Ooh, we got a big comment here. Bold take in the chat from captain Spock. Uh, he says, if Najoku can stay healthy, he is top five. <clears throat> so man, that's, that's pretty bold. I don't know. What do you think? Can he be top five if healthy? I think that's pretty bold. Um, I, I don't. I don't see that happening. But I, I. I could definitely see you know top ten if he's healthy. Jamie, do you think Captain Spock, whose avatar is a cute dog, little little dog, do you think Captain Spock is the name of that dog, or do you think it's just the commenter's name? Um, probably just the commenter's name. But I hope the dog lives long and prosper. <laughs> Very good. Uh, I want to ask you a, uh, another tight end question. Let's see. When in round one would you take Travis Kelsey? Ooh, I mean, I guess it's it, it's got to be like six, seven-ish, like the middle of round one. I think, um, you know, if you're missing out on the, the top few guys, I, I think Travis Kelsey feels super super safe at this point, especially since like the chiefs, I mean, they just really don't have a lot of pass catchers with Juju gone. And, and I mean, they've got like Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony, and we don't know if Kadarius Tony can string together uh, 17 games for sure. So um, I, I think, you know, it's the Travis Kelsey show in, in, in Kansas city. 
because yeah, Jamie threatened me uh, last week for our draft. He wrote, and I'm, I'm reading it now, I had the third pick. He said, you better take Kelsey at three. With an exclamation point. He said that. There, me, was, so. there was a reason for that, though, because in the first draft that we did following the season, you took Kelsey first overall. Yeah, yeah. Right. He, he would not. I, I think I'd, I think I'm going to move him down to second overall. I think I'm going to go Jefferson Kelsey, but uh, no later than than third for sure, I guess. Until next month, he'll be fourth for or sure. something like that. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but right now, right now, I think he's second for me. Um, all right. Samantha, thank you very much for joining us. We very much appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It was super fun to talk to you guys and uh, awesome to just dive into some guys this season. I'm so excited yeah. for this year. And it's really great to get different perspective. I'm, t- I'm honestly so tired of talking to the same people all the time. <laughs> Jamie, right? I was just like, enough. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah, you know what Dave's going to say all the time. Uh, Dave, Dave <laughs> wants to know if he's on the podcast, on the mailbag podcast. I told him no. And I think it hurt his feelings, so I'm going to invite him on the Mailbag Podcast. Maybe you'll get all three of the analysts. And, of course, you can check out Heath's new Dynasty Podcast, which was funny. Um, I'll, you know, we'll, I'll uh, rip on him a little bit for that on uh, tomorrow's show. But that is Samantha Braviti. Please follow her at Samantha NFL. Always great to have her on, one of our favorite guests. And this is your Thursday edition, recording on Wednesday night. Again, we have a mailbag that we're recording on Thursday that you're going to hear on Friday, or you can watch it earlier at youtube.com slash today. Vote for our podcast, whatever the name is. Go to sportspodcastgroup.com. Vote in the fantasy and sports betting category, I think. All right, we'll talk to you tomorrow on Fantasy Football Today. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen.